Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome in, everyone, to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. This is Gus Kearns. You can follow the podcast at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Efficiency of keystrokes, of course. And you're listening to the Screen the Screener Podcast team preview series. Mike and I are previewing as many college basketball teams as possible for the 2018-2019 college basketball season. Every episode, we're going to be joined by a select beat reporter or insider to talk about the team, talk about the coach, maybe talk about the outlook and some predictions for the season. In this episode, we're going to preview the Butler Bulldogs, and we're going to talk to the, about the Butler Bulldogs with our friend David Woods. David Woods has been covering Butler basketball since 1994. He's currently covering Butler for Indy Star Sports. You can give David a follow at David Woods 007, capital D, capital W. If you're looking for a little further insight from David, he's actually published and written three separate books about Butler hoops. He also covers the Olympic sports for uh, Indy Star Sports as well. And if you're looking for one of those books, Take a peek at Underdogs. The paperback edition is out on Amazon. He'd love for you to give a little look there. So if you're looking for some Butler information from those championship game runs with uh, Shelvin Mack and Gordon Hayward, and, uh, so close with that runner by Hayward from half court off the backboard. Ugh. Well, David was unbelievably kind and so thoughtful, and he gave us a really deep dive on Butler basketball this year, and he went all places all around the the roster, talked about roles, talked about what might need to change, what needs to get replaced, and he gave us valuable insight on Coach Laval Jordan and what made his first season at Butler really successful. Uh, so right now, let's get right to the conversation. Okay, welcome in Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners. We have a special guest for you. We have David Woods, who covers Butler basketball for Indy Star Sports. You can follow David at David Woods 007, capital D, capital W. Uh, David, thank you so much for giving the podcast a little bit of time. I'm, I'm always ready to talk about Butler basketball. Love that. David has a, obviously written a couple of books about Butler basketball and their championship run a few years back, but we'll get into this year's edition of the Butler Bulldogs. Hey, maybe you can uh, just recap with a solid season that, you know, under first co- first year coach, uh, Coach Laval, uh, they were included in the bracket preview show uh, in February. They had an NCAA win. So maybe just give a quick rundown of how the initial season under the new coach went for the B- Butler B- Bulldogs last season. Well, you know, there were a lot of questions about uh, about how they would fare because, you know, as as maybe some of your listeners know, Chris Holtman, when, uh, you know, left in June uh, unexpectedly, and, and I thought they would probably, 
I thought they'd probably go to Laval. I, I did some research, and I, I think I knew this, but I'd kind of forgotten it. Uh, Butler tends mm-hmm. to stay in the family for hires. Uh, since Tony Hinkle was hired in 1926, uh, every other uh, Butler basketball coach since then, that we're talking like 92 years, has been either a pr- assistant coach promoted from the staff or a former Butler player, which is pretty pretty amazing uh, century-long consistency. But they have had a lot of coaching changes, but they've been able to sustain the success. Laval ended up uh, you know, taking, taking a Butler back to the NCAA tournament, and they won, they won uh, a game there for the fourth straight year. I think Butler is one of only eight programs in the country to have won an NCAA tournament game in each of the last four years. They were heavily mm-hmm. reliant on Big East scoring champion Keelan Martin, uh, who actually was Butler's first big conference scoring champion in 31 years. Uh, it's usually wow. more of a collective. He was the unanimous All-Big East selection. I thought he would get some All-America recognition, especially you know leading a conference as strong as the Big East is, but, but he, he, he got nothing. He got like no postseason accolades at all. Uh, nonetheless, uh, they were very reliant on him, and they've lost him and, uh, and Tyler Weidman, who is a mm-hmm. uh, who is a four year standout for them and you know not not a big score but a you know but a pretty solid score he actually set a, a Butler field goal percentage record and he kind of uh, teamed with uh, with Nate Fowler with kind of a good uh, one two center tandem and then and then Butler finished uh, not only with a twenty one fourteen record including one one win over national champion Villanova yep. and Butler ended up actually finished twentieth in the final. Ken Palm ranking, so you could make a case that that uh, even at twenty one fourteen, you know, Butler's overall performance was perhaps better than than the uh, than his one loss record reflected. I think because they played five games against two of Ken Palm's top five teams, which was three games against Villanova and uh, and two games against Purdue, and and uh, Butler uh, took Purdue down to the last minute in a game to the to decide the Sweet Sixteen and. Butler had like trailed uh, Purdue by more than 20 in, in a uh, December loss. So the team progressed. I think I think probably Laval gained a lot of credibility with recruits and and fans and alumni with with the way they did the first year. And and uh, right. even though that they lose lose Martin and Weidman, you know their their staff stayed intact. You know Laval hasn't had to do quite as much teaching in the off season as he did because most of the returnees know the system and. Probably the big question for Butler basketball in 2018-19 is can their experience trump mm-hmm. uh, other teams' talent, which I guess is a college basketball question that we often ask. It se- yeah, it seems like we often get to the crux of every big game, and that seems to be one of the asking points for everybody. And that lineage that you just uh, recapped was absolutely unbelievable. That I don't know if many – you know, knowledgeable college basketball fans would would know that. So thanks for dropping that knowledge. I mean, when you were run, giving the rundown for Keelan Martin and his amazing season, you mentioned All-America status. So I'm just going to go right to the stud that you have on your team now, Kamar Baldwin. What a player. He did exactly what this team needs at any, pretty, at any, at any different time. We know he's a terror on D. He might take some of those responsibilities that Martin had on the offensive end. Just what is this guy's ceiling can he help carry that load offensively that you said was missing now with Martin moving on to the NBA? And he seems to be like a really humble, hardworking guy. Is it, am I nuts if I make an All-America team and put him on the third team? Can you convince me that I'm okay and the listeners out there in the nation? Just convince everybody how good Baldwin might be this season. 
Well, I, I actually thought he would. In fact, I was uh, I, 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 saw, I saw one magazine <laughs> that listed the top hundred players in in uh, in, the, in college basketball, and he was omitted from that. See that that that's just Crazy. not plausible. That's <laughs> I mean, nuts. That, that's just not plausible. And um, I, I talked to one. I won't say about talked to one Butler insider in the off season, and at least two Big East coaches uh, have you know said privately that that Baldwin is the best player in the Big East. Now, Shamori Pons of St. John's, I think, gets most of the publicity. Sure. He is really good, tremendous offensive player. But I don't know that he's a, you know, uh, distributor, shooter, defensive player, you know, w- all of those things which um, right. which Baldwin can do. And then Marcus Howard is a tremendous scorer for Marquette, but, but, but Howard is not a good defender either. And I had not realized quite how small he is. So that that's right. going to be limitations. Now Baldwin's only six feet tall, or whatever he's listed, six one, but he's very okay. long armed. Uh, he, he he maybe sometimes gambles too much, and and maybe isn't even as as good a defensive player as he might be touted to be. But he and Aaron Thompson do make a great a great combo back there. And I really don't know what it is that people expect from Butler, but Baldwin is just a terrific player. I mean, I I do think he has a chance to be, if not in 2019 and 2020 to be Butler's first All-America player uh, since 1970. And, of course, since 1970, they've had a couple of NBA players in Gordon yeah. Hayward and, and Shelvin Mack. Uh, there's really not too much that Baldwin can't do. He, he needs to become a better distributor. Sometimes he does dribble too much. I sure. think it would be good if his three-point accuracy increased a little. It went down his sophomore year, his freshman year, his, uh, his three-point percentage was at 37%. Went down a little bit to 33% last year, but that's because he had way more right. attempts. You know, if he can shoot close to 40% from three and uh, and distribute the ball and and uh, be, continue to be a good defender, I think whether his individual accolades will depend on how good Butler's record is. But he is one of the better all-around guards uh, in, in all of college basketball. And, uh, boy, his game, he's he single-handedly put Butler on his back in the closing minutes of an insta- of a Big East tournament game against Seton Hall last year, and he was just incredible. He scored yeah. like about 15 points in the last eight minutes of the game, and Seton Hall was loaded with talent. Multiple he just dominated the game. And if you remember, he played you know the national player of the year, Brunson, to a pretty much standstill in, in multiple matchups when they were going head-to-head. So he, he can hold his own against the best players in the country, no doubt. You mentioned a couple of uh, – you mentioned Thompson as his backcourt mate, but I want to ask you about Paul Jorgensen. He's a New Jersey guard. We love New Jersey guards here at the Screen Screener College Basketball Podcast. He's a redshirt junior. He can shoot it a little bit, do a little bit of everything on the floor. How valuable is it for Butler to have a veteran like Jorgensen that can do a little bit of everything and plug – they can plug into a number of different holds. Talk about his value, both like on the floor and maybe also in the locker room as well. Yeah, well, I definitely like his New York, New Jersey uh, swagger, uh, and, and he does bring right? a, 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 a swagger and an edge and a confidence that that all the good Butler teams ha- have had. Um, there has not been a successful Butler team yet that hasn't been a little bit edgy. That might not be uh, w- widely understood, but all, all the be- all the best Butler teams um, of the two thousands have been a little bit edgy and Jorgensen helps with that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for a while last year, they started Jorgensen, uh, Thompson and, uh, Baldwin simultaneously when, when Sean McDermott, uh, was, was out with injury. And, uh, right. I don't know, I'll be interested to see if they start the season that way, but Jorgensen also is a huge spark plug, uh, off the bench. Uh, he almost single-handedly, uh, led them from a deficit and they should have beaten St. John's 
in New York last year, and, and that that loss late in the season kind of was kind of costly to Butler. They led by five right. points with like less than ten seconds to go, and, and found a way to to uh, to lose get tied and lose that game in overtime. But uh, Jorgensen may have tailed off a little bit last year, but his his energy, his three point shooting, and actually he became he became a, a better than average defender. Uh, he, he's he's a fifth year guy. I guess we were talking about before can. Mm-hmm. And Butler's experience make up for what might be perceived to be, uh, you know, a, a less than spectacular roster. That, yeah, that makes sense. And you love that, he, you know, love that Jorgensen has that New Jersey swag edge. That's that's perfect. That's exactly what we wanted to hear, I think. Uh, you mentioned big man Nate Fowler. He split time last year. Do you think his role is going to change this year? Do you think they'll let him shoot more threes this season? And what kind of impact do you think he has on the defensive end? He he is he's not that good of a defender, but he has much more length than uh, mm. you know than Tyler Weidman did. So consequently, you know he can actually play off an offensive player and you know and still and still defend and 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 perhaps uh, affect a shot. He's actually, if you look, I think over the last two years, especially, uh, he doesn't have a lot of uh, you know a lot of uh, possession shares, but he's he's right. been among the most uh, efficient offensive players. In all of college basketball last year, all the you know any, any kind of an analytic rundown will will, will show that um, he didn't shoot as quite as many threes last year, but he probably will sometimes go out and do that because that makes it really you know awkward for the for the for the defense to try to to, to will opposing center do I need to go out and guard this guy when he goes so far away from the basket to make threes because he can make them. I think they need him to make his living. Uh, you know, near the basket with, you know, layups and hooks and, and uh, his uh, repertoire mm-hmm. of inside in, shots or uh, inside in shots. But he he is uh, he is among their better three point shooters. I just don't think he'll shoot a lot of them, but he, he is certainly capable of doing it. Yeah, I, I had that like uh, offensive sh- uh, efficiency number like in the notes here. That's why I was curious if you thought his role might increase and see maybe take advantage of some of those offensive possessions that. Fowler might help out with. You mentioned Coach Jordan before. He did it last year. He got to the big dance. He beat the national champs, just like you said. He won an NCAA game all in one year. Give the listeners a little insight. Shed a little light on what makes him one of these great Butler leaders that you mentioned the lineage of earlier in the podcast. On and off the floor, can he follow up this first year at Butler with similar results or maybe even some further success? Yeah, he might be able to. He certainly uh, he certainly benefited from uh, from being on uh, Brad Stevens' staff for a while. He, mm. he, he was an assist. He was a, a uh, you know like an ops guy for a while, and then and then later an assistant coach. Then he went with uh, Todd Licklider uh, to Iowa, and then he was an assistant coach with with Bayline at Michigan for a long time. I think the the years spent with Bayline were, were very valuable, and uh, the sure. fact that he was head coach for one even just one year. At uh, at Wisconsin Milwaukee was uh, was great, very beneficial. I mean, I think Butler really benef- benefited from Laval having been a ho- head coach even for just one season. It's like the whole thing wasn't new to him. Um, what is new to him is now he's he's never been a uh, been a head coach entering a second year with you know really knowing what he's doing and having his staff intact. Uh, Jeff Meyer uh, followed him from Michigan and uh, is a you know kind of a kind of a loyal lieutenant um he, and okay. he's, been a, he's been a head coach himself and has, has been all over so they, they that is a lot of accumulated wisdom uh that he has um laval is uh is, is very hands-on he's uh, i think he relates 
to the players very well. But uh, you know, he's he's not afraid to uh, to uh, you know do tough things like he for a short time uh, in a game last year he benched Keelan Martin. You know, yeah, I remember that. Martin was 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 getting distracted, and I think it was a game of Providence, and he wasn't playing well, and he was letting things that shouldn't have been bothering him bothering him. So so he benched him. So uh, and I think Keelan kind of got it. So uh, uh, you know, Laval may have the you know the, the velvet hammer, um, and I, and certainly he's evolving as a head coach. I mean, I think it would be probably disingenuous of anyone to think that he's a you know fully formed head head coach yet. But I don't think there's any doubt that he'll be he'll be better in his third in his second year at Butler than he was in his first year at Milwaukee. And people might remember in his first year at Milwaukee, he inherited a horrendous team that finished yeah. last in the Horizon League, deservedly so because they were horrible. And he got them to the championship game. That is an astounding achievement to be last in your league in tenth place win, you know, three games and three nights and get to the championship game and play competitively for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament with a team that had like an eight and twenty record. I mean that that's a that's an unusual occurrence. So I think that speaks well for Laval. I think it also speaks well that I think it was pretty obvious Butler played better at the end of the season than they did toward the beginning when the offense was really clunky. Um yep. and not only did they did they uh beat Villanova in Indianapolis uh, that was like a four-point game uh, at Villanova when they when they played in the uh, in the in the 76ers Fieldhouse like in the last minute. Even at Villanova, uh, that was a highly competitive game. Now Villanova blew them out in like two minutes in the uh, Big East tournament uh, uh, semifinal. But but Villanova had had a te- as we've seen was had a tendency to do that, and they pretty much rolled through the entire NCAA tournament. But um, so, you know, I think Laval will be better. Uh, and probably one guy we haven't talked about who might, who possibly might even be the key to their whole season is Sean McDermott, a redshirt oh. junior who's who's an athletic wing, really good three-point shooter. I, I expect him to be Butler's number two scorer behind Kamar Baldwin. But that, I think that also begs, begs the question, if Sean McDermott is your second best player, is that a team that's good enough to finish in the first division of the Big East to make the NCAA tournament? And, and I think that's a legitimate question, and, and I, I don't know. I think that goes back to your original point of can Butler outwill, outcharacter, outexecute other teams that might hold more talent. But one of those answers for that talent question leads us to Jordan Tucker. If he's going to be eligible to play the second semester, just how talented is the wing player from Duke? And is it going to be like one of those Major League Baseball trades where the team gets a player to be named later? And Butler gets like a different difference maker player during the Big East part of their season. Is Jordan Tucker going to be maybe the second best scorer the second half of the season for this team? You know, and that that's entirely possible. Uh, I think he's he's actually, um, although I would, it might not be fair to him. He's actually the the most highly ranked uh, player coming out of high school that Butler has ever had since any such, you know, recruiting rankings came right. out. Sure. Uh, he's the high, highest, highest ranked recruit they've ever had. Well, obviously we don't expect him to be as good as Gordon Hayward or, or Shelvin Mack and, and probably, you know, not, not as good as Keelan Martin, but, uh, but he, uh, you know, he did get a Duke scholarship and he, he was highly mm-hmm. touted and he, he's, he's an extremely good shooter, but I, I, I see him coming off the bench at the beginning and, 
And uh, but that position is that wing position is open, you know, ne- next to McDermott. And if he can, shall we say, you know, get up to speed yeah. quickly, uh, yeah, he could he could be a big difference maker for uh, for Butler because then you could have they could legitimately have um, you know four shooters on the floor plus Aaron Thompson. Aaron is is, is a non shooter, right. although a lot of Butler fans complained about that. I, I thought he was remarkably dif- disciplined. For a young player not to take shots, even though they were open, that he couldn't make. Um, so I, I did not see that as so much of a negative. And he ran the team well. It was set a Butler freshman record for assists. Um, defended well. So I, you know, I, I think I think Aaron Thompson is was is, was a huge huge reason why Butler uh, did as well as it as it did last year. And then not only would they have all those shooters uh, in the starting lineup, and then they'd have shooters like. Uh, Paul Jorgensen and Henry Badley coming off the bench. So, um, right. unless I miss my guess, I, I really, and depending how they work it, and you've seen Bayline's offense at Michigan. Yeah. If, uh, however, they maneuver. I, I could see the three-point shot being a uh, a, a a big weapon uh, for the Butler offense this year. And it's and it's not like they'd be depending on just one or two guys to shoot the three. Usually, right. if you have a lot of guys to shoot the three you can be a little bit more consistent to keeping up your percentage because it's not just one guy. You're not, it's, it's not a Marcus Howard type situation, right? That makes perfect sense. And look, the way that the, the trends in college basketball and basketball on the whole trend that way towards jacking more threes. And if you're going to coach under a, a offensive mastermind like beeline, I think there's going to be some set plays and some, uh, you know, some quick hitters that are going to get some good three point shooting opportunities for some of the players that you just mentioned on the Bulldogs roster. All right. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you, we've got to tell us a little bit about Henkel. It seems unbelievable for a home game. You know, you got the, the Bulldog roaming the sidelines, the Sunrays sneak onto the floor, take us into a home game. What's the vibe? What's the student section like? Like why is Henkel one of the most iconic home courts in the nation? Well, you know, you just kind of, it just kind of, uh, Oozes history, I, I guess you could say. You know, you can tell it's not like the other arenas. Uh, I've talked to a lot of writers who've been in Hinkle for the first time, and I, I think they really enjoy it because it's, it's not like any other arena. I mean, it does have those windows coming with the nat- natural light, and uh, you know, it was built in in 1928, and uh, you know, they're they're still using it. Um, it, uh, the, the, you know, the, the court I think has a little bit more uh, bounce than uh, than some courts. Sure. Um, but, but as as wonderful as a as a basketball facility as it is, I I found it strange that Butler has not been overwhelmingly dominant on his court home court in uh, since joining the Big East. I mean, they have beaten Villanova there uh, each of the mm-hmm. last two years. So I, I guess I'm that would contradict what I just said. But their best home record in the Big East, they've never done better than six and three at home in, in the Big East. And to, to me, that that is, to me, they sort of need to be seven and two or eight and one, uh, one of these years, uh, because it's difficult to it's difficult to uh, win on the road in any power in any you know power conference. Um, so to me, that's kind of a kind of a step that Butler has yet to take. You know, just make their make their. I mean, I don't think teams uh, are confident or feel good about coming into Hinkle. You know, sure. but the fact is that Butler has never. Has never been in, in five Big East seasons. Has never been better than six and three in Big East home games, which is okay. But you know, it's not. It's certainly not. Not uh, certainly does not uh, indicate it. Uh, they're invulnerable at home. 
Yeah, and I think the wins over Villanova kind of cloud that perception a bit because they beat the number one team ranked in the country, defending national champs back-to-back years. Uh, you just think like, oh, my goodness, Butler is this monster at home, and, and, and you just read down the stats. So maybe that's a little bit uh, of a misnomer as far as uh, success for the Bulldogs at home in the Big East uh, in the Big East Conference. All right, uh, David, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, the schedule holds a ton of opportunity. You have Old Miss and Kermit Davis, followed by the Battle of Atlantis with Dayton and a few other teams. Uh, St. Louis, who's going to be really tough this year, uh, a chance against Indy and Florida as well. And then, you know, the Big East rolls in. So handicap the early schedule and then give us a prediction. Can Butler win the Big East? Is that crazy talk? And how do you think the dogs are going to do this season? Yeah, well, I, I, I tend not, not to make pr- predictions unless required by my employer to do so. But I, I, would, I would think they have a chance to finish in, in the middle of the of the Big East, but I also think that they probably need to 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 be right around ten and three in that uh, in that in that uh, opening stretch. Uh, I think we'll learn a lot about uh, a lot about uh, Butler early and and that Bahamas tournament if they beat uh, Dayton in the first game, which I think they will. That then they'd be probably pitted against Virginia. Now um, and 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 Virginia, you know, irrespective of that historic loss in the one versus sixteen game last year. Is still going to be a terrific team, and actually, their their best player is Kyle Guy, who's who's from Indianapolis. Uh, really? With, with okay. That uh, was was a high school star at in Indianapolis. So um, that that will be an interesting matchup. Now, if if Butler were to win that game uh, that early in the season, I think you know perception would change a lot. But then, them going two and one in Portland in that early season, uh, you know, PK eighty tournament uh, last year. Yep. Well, that, that 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 ended up being really important, uh, you know, upsetting coming back and beating their former coach uh, Chris Holtman of Ohio State. That ended up being right. a big deal, and and it turned out that that you know that that was a good win all the way through the rest of the season. And I think they really needed that, um, just as I think you know Butler's going to need to uh, to uh, I think be ten and three. And that that trip to St. Louis, as you described, is is not a gimme. Um, no way, not playing, this year. Uh, Playing Indiana at, at Bankers Live Fieldhouse, I mean that that's like a road game uh, for Butler, even though it's in Indianapolis, because there'll be so many uh, rabid uh, IU fans uh, at that game. It'll be it'll um, be very red there, right? Oh yes, very red, and 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 uh, you know, on on paper, you know, Indiana has uh, has a significant uh, edge in uh, in talent over Butler, but uh, but I, I do I do think Butler's kids will play uh, with a lot of resolve, a lot of confidence. I think the fact that they have so many experienced players, you know, in in those last you know six and eight minutes of Big East road games, you know that that's really going to matter a lot. They're they're just going to assume they're going to be able to win, and and I do think I do think we'll probably see Kamar Baldwin uh, in the closing minutes, probably win two or three games this year just by himself. Uh, I could be proved wrong on that, but I. I, I have a pretty strong conviction that, that we will see that two or three times this year, Kamal Baldwin in the last four or five minutes will just win the, win the game on his own. And I don't know that, that there's that many players in college who can do that. Listen, that's why I was kind of thinking, like, am I crazy for thinking of putting him on the third team All-American? Because I, I feel strongly about his game that way, too. Uh, Dave, we just want to say thank you for a couple minutes here on the Screen Screener College Basketball Podcast. Thanks for giving us some valuable insight on Butler and the Bulldogs and, and what the season might pan out like for them. Please give David a follow 
at David Woods, 007, capital D, capital uh, W, of course. And, uh, David, thanks again for giving this, uh, the podcast a little time. And uh, enjoy the season and hope to catch up with you soon. Okay. Well, thanks so much for having me on. So that was David Woods from Indie Star Sports. Don't forget to give David a follow at David Woods, 007, capital D, capital W. He uh, covers Butler basketball, and he gave us some really cool nuggets of knowledge there. So in a moment, we're going to go a little deeper dive on the Big East and, and, and what David shared with us. But before we do that, I'd like to discuss and I wanted to remind you about our buddies over at my bookie. You know, ever since we started the podcast, people have been asking for advice like, hey, who do you like? Who do you like in this home game? And usually it's when we know the team to bet on that week. The truth is you got to check out MyBookie, mybookie.ag. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why we trust MyBookie. We trust these guys. They're kind of the best to us. And we really encourage you, if you're going to lay down some money, whether it be on football this weekend or maybe you're waiting for college basketball season, maybe you're getting an itch and you want to bet on one of those NBA preseason games. So here are just a couple of highlights. You lay down some big cash and you can win You can win big today. We would only recommend the service to the listeners. That's been really good to us. And that's why we're urging you to take a look at my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player per- perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can get even get in on the over-under how many fantasy points a player is going to score. On the weekend? Are you kidding me? That's an inc- that's incredible. So go over to my bookie, and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar if you put in the promo code SDS. Pretty simple, right, guys? Activate that offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E, and don't forget to use the promo code SDS when creating your account to claim that bonus. It's pretty simple with the my bookie guys. It just goes like this. You play, you win, you get paid. And you heard David. You heard him tell you that Kamar Baldwin's going to win a couple games by himself in the final minutes. You like that Butler game at home? I think you got some insight now during the Big East tournament, during the Big East season, to go ahead and put some money at my bookie on those Butler Bulldogs. So we just want to say thank you one more time to Dave Woods for talking some Butler hoops. Man, isn't that cool that he was able to tell us a little bit about Hinkle and actually tell us, like, wait a second, they're not that undefeatable and, and, and that, like, ironclad at Hinkle. I think those Villanova wins have really clouded uh, everybody's just, you know, overall perspective of uh, Butler at home. But just a couple of things to follow up with. I'll, I'll go a little different direction than Mike will on uh, our follow-up uh, chat a little bit after the interview. Why not just talk a little conference, right? I mean, if we're going to talk the Big East Conference, I think you're you're thinking Villanova and then everybody else. But we saw the NBA draft in June, and we saw how many of those Villanova players got drafted. We saw Player of the Year get drafted by the Mavericks. We saw DiVincenzo go to the Bucks. We saw Spellman go to the Hawks. Uh, we and then we saw Bridges end up in a trade originally going to the 76ers and then heading out west to Phoenix. So I mean, there, when you lose four NBA players. I mean, as much as we like to think that Villanova is going to reload, can they really reload all that they lost? Same thing with Xavier, J.B. McCura, and, and Trayvon Blewett. Trayvon Blewett, one of my favorite college players last year. 
They are now on to the next move, and Trayvon Blewett actually blew it out in summer league and played really well. So, like, what does that leave? That leaves us uh, a, a compromised Xavier team with a new coach and Coach Steele. You know, the national champs, Villanova, who have to define some new roles. And then it leaves us a collection of Providence with Alpha Diallo, Marquette with Marcus Howard, St. John's with Shamori Pons, and Butler. I don't think it's crazy to include Butler in the conversation of teams that could dethrone Villanova as the alpha dog in the Big East and Xavier as the regular season champs because that's what they were last year. I don't think it's that crazy, especially with all the pieces that David talked to us about. I'm kind of on his side. Like, I'm on your side. It's taken me a long time, as Pete Yorn would sing. I'm on his side. I think that this team is getting a little bit undersold. Now, let's be realistic. Keelan Martin, going to be tough to replace that 20-plus points per game. It's not that, like, 20-point-a-game scores just don't grow on trees. Like, there is a reason he's going to play in the NBA. It's because he can put the ball in the basket. But I'll tell you what, if Baldwin can take that next step, I'm not saying he's going to be the 20-point-a-game scorer, but how about if he he's 18, high percentages, that makes sense, Jorgensen up a little bit, and then Tucker, I think, is the X factor. I can see Tucker really making an impact the second half of the season. And you talked that he, he talked about Fowler have being really efficient on the offensive end. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But as far as if we're going to talk like conference lineup and conference standings, I think you still have to keep Villanova up top. I can see Butler finishing anywhere from second to fourth. I think that makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised because they kind of have Villanova's number and at least have like the blueprint of how to beat them that maybe they win that game and then win a couple more games. And you heard David say they have to win their home games. They don't win their home games, then they're going to be in trouble, even at the, you know, what, what you all think is like a, a huge home advantage at Hinkle. And I think you have to throw in Marquette with their offensive prowess. I, I don't think you can leave out Providence. You know, we you know David mentioned that Butler's one of the few teams that has won a game in the tournament uh, the past uh, four years, much like Gonzaga. And... Let's not ignore Providence. Providence has made the tournament the last four years. Like they, they've been a factor in the Big East. They are not this also ran team. Seton Hall loses those four seniors. That's going to be tough. I know they have Miles Powell. He'll probably be some sort of all league, uh, all league player, whether it be first, second, or third team. But when you lose, you know, those invested seniors, I can't see them being back to, you know, a ranked team nationally. Uh, maybe they're more of a mid pack team. So I, I think that collection of the leftovers at Xavier, Butler, Marquette, St. John's, I think you have to include in there, or at least we hope we have to include in there. That'd be amazing. I, I really hope that St. John's is relevant nationally, led by Pons and, and Clark. And, and I think that, that would be, that'd be awesome. That'd be, I would, I'm so rooting for that personally. But as far as like the first team, all Big East, do you think you just might have three guards right on it? Howard, Pons, and Baldwin, and then maybe throw Jesse Govan on there and then find a, a forward out of uh, Nigel Marshall from Xavier, maybe Hauser from Marquette, maybe Alpha Diallo from Providence, maybe Marvin Clark from St. John's, something along those lines. Does that make sense as far as a first team goes? Howard, Pons, Baldwin, Govan, and then... Whoever else pops. Uh, if I was going to pick one other player that might pop, I'll throw like maybe Max Strutz in there. 
Miles Powell, maybe Hauser, because you can have a ton of offensive opportunities, but will those opportunities equal in wins? I think if they do, then maybe he finds that last spot on first team. But it feels like those four of those five first team all-conference spots are going to be taken up by those three incredible guards. Marcus Howard for Marquette, Shamori Pond, St. John's, and then I, I really feel strongly that Kamar Baldwin will be one of those guards as well. And then I think the overarching question, I think, with the Big East is, will Villanova be able to recapture, redefine roles, and still be, you know, still be, still be the bully on the block? Let's call it that, right? You know, Jay Wright has some clout now. He, he has, like, he has clout across the board. He has, I won a national championship clout. He has, I produce NBA players clout. And he has the, I can do a one and done. He can do like an almost one and done in bridges. He can get a kid graduated in three years, be national player of the year, like in Brunson. So he's got clout all across the board. It doesn't matter. But just to reflect back upon what David was saying, I think, I think he was being just optimistic, but properly optimistic with this Butler team. Again, when you lose a twenty-point-a-game score, that's a tough—that's a tough role to fill. I, I think Jordan could fill some of that, and I think Coach Jordan, like he said, it's just going to get better. Like, why wouldn't he be better his second year and then his third year? That, that makes perfect sense. So I think if we're, you know, which way is the arrow pointing on Butler? In my opinion, I think it's pointing up. I think it's pointing in the right direction. I think it's got a steady increase, and I think the angle on the increase might be a little bit steeper than uh, the national media may think. And I think that this team, much like David said, is going to play tough, going to play the right way, play the Butler way, and be a really tough out, whether it be at home or on the road. And let's not forget, David kind of nailed it here. Those early season opportunities have to be taken advantage of by any team, not just by Butler. And he mentioned the PK-80 situation where they actually got to play their former coach and and Kata Bates-Diop and, and Ohio State and actually played really well out there. And that kind of held some weight the whole entire season. So some of these games that they have, maybe with Old Miss, Indiana, I mentioned that's going to be like a quasi-road game for them, which is crazy. Florida, that St. Louis game may end up being pretty big if they play well in the A-10. And then depending on who they get from the Battle of Atlantis, imagine they take advantage and actually find a way to beat Virginia. That'd be kind of crazy. Talk about holding weight the entire season. Imagine if they get that win and then Virginia ends up being the ACC regular season champs again. Boom. There's your big giant win that you can hang your hat on. Makes sense. Listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. If you're looking for a little deeper dive, please go ahead and follow us on Twitter at SDS Podcast. Efficiency of keystrokes, of course. Don't forget to give Mike a follow. Mike is doing his work on his end, trying to grab as many of these beat writers as he can as well. And we're trying to bang out all this content for you guys so you are fully ready for the college basketball season. Please give Mike a follow at Randall Rant. Uh, he is insightful, educational, and entertaining all at the same time somehow. And if you're also looking for a little further uh, insight, don't forget about the option of being a Screen the Screener College Basketball Patreon participant. You can go to patreon.com. You can hit up Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. You can check out the options. Got a couple of options that you can jump in on. The $6 option, we give you an extra podcast per week. Mike and I give you some content of what's floating around in our brain. And you get these really cool t-shirts. I really like it. Uh, my daughters are like, wow, that's some nice gear. Or my little daughter says, 
Yo, Dad, you got merch. Yeah, so we have merch for our Patreon listeners out there. And then if you just want to support the podcast at the lowest level, there's a $1 option as well. However you want to participate. And, of course, with that Patreon patronage, you get some input onto the show and what we would, what you'd like to hear us talk about. Maybe a beat writer that you'd like us to grab or maybe a, an interview you'd like us to pursue. So those are the benefits from becoming a Screen the Screener college basketball podcast patreon so we hope that you guys think about that option and hey if you really like what you're listening to and you're liking all these team previews and you're enjoying the insight that you're getting from them go ahead and hit uh, apple podcasts give us a nice review five stars please that'd be so kind thank you kindness is always cool and whatever your other vehicle of podcast consumption is if you want to give a review on that too that'd be amazing so thank you for the support of the podcast and thank you for tuning in and we we're so happy to share college basketball season with you guys cheers so much arigato Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.